The opportunity was that we had orders coming in. So that was the opportunity that what made us, you know, take that step. But the challenges were like, okay, the orders are coming in. We need more computers. Where do we put them? Hello, and welcome to Brandtuned, the show for entrepreneurs, where we discuss personal and business brands to give you ideas and inspiration to stand out, win business, and be heard in a noisy world. I'm Shireen Smith, lawyer, author, and curious business owner, keen to uncover what moves the needle in branding. Topics I explore include how the brand impacts your success, how to design a brand that has legally distinctive visual elements and works so you reach success and have more time or more money or less stress. I also explore the role of intellectual property and brand protection and monetizing your brand using franchising or licensing. Subscribe to find out more. In terms of my personal life, I've thoroughly enjoyed having my daughters to stay for two weeks. We've had some lovely long family walks in the surrounding areas of Hastings, and I've started some new exercise routines involving yoga and dance. Having written my book, I decided to scrap it and start again. So I'm now getting started with writing it with the aim of having it published in mid-2021, by which time we might hopefully have emerged from this coronavirus situation. So now on to this week's content. Hi Levant, welcome to the Brand Tune podcast. It's great to have you here. It's good to be with you, Shireen. Great. So what made you decide to start your own business, Levant? Well, I always had a burning desire to have my own business. Don't know why, because my, my father is, you know, he was a, a civil servant. So, uh-huh. you know, we had no sort of family history with, with, with entrepreneurship or, or running businesses. But I had this burning desire. And when we had an opportunity to do that in 1995, it took me one week to decide, handed my notice in and uh, that's how it how it all started, you know. So it was like a, a spear of the moment decision. That's how it looked to other people outside. But I always had that burning desire to, to run my own business. Oh, what sort of job were you in at the time? Well, I was in print. I mean, that was my, uh, it, it was a job that I was in for the 15 years or so. You know, as uh-huh. an, I joined as an apprentice and then moved into production management and and then the reproduction side, then eventually to the digital reproduction. And um, and I was, you know, it was a really good company. We really got on well with the with the directors. Actually, I was in the process of being made a director. And uh, so it was all very well. And um, yeah, and what happened is that my wife, um, after giving birth to our, our child, she didn't want to go back to full-time job. So she set up this translation company and uh, I was obviously helping her. And in 1995, there was an opportunity to acquire another business and came with it extra workload, which at that point she wasn't able to manage. 
So, oh, I see. So she, she's Turkish as well. <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yes, right. Um, yeah. So it was perfect. She got it started, and then you joined her. Yes, very much, very much. So, and as I said, it took me to decide one week to hand in my notice, and it was it was a bit of a shock to to me to to the owners of the business, as well mm. as I mean, we departed really in good terms. They appreciated yeah. it. They appreciated why I was making that decision. Uh, at the time, we had two young children. We had a mortgage. Wow, so it's uh, very brave it, to start. Was. was your wife profitable then? Well, not really. I mean, we saw the opportunity. And we saw the opportunity, and it was just a, a decision made on a gut feeling. There was no Excel spreadsheets, no calculations. No <laughs> you know, no business plan. I mean, but we could feel the opportunity. And also she knew that I really wanted to do something for ourselves. Uh, so she supported me and, and we never looked back, <laughs> I'm pleased to say. <laughs> wow. So what were the challenges, you know, for the benefit of listeners so that they can learn more what to expect mm -hmm. from their journeys? What were some of the challenges you faced? Well, well the biggest challenge was the biggest opportunity mm -hmm. and the biggest challenge. The opportunity was that we had orders coming in. So that was the opportunity that what made us take that step. Um, but the challenges were like, um, okay, the orders are coming in. We need more computers. So we converted our dining room into a, an office because it happened so quickly. We didn't even have a chance to hire an office, you know, so it had to be our, our dining room. So luckily at the time we had a childminder and between our dining room and, and the lounge, there's like those French doors with full glasses. So as soon as the children came from school, the French doors were shut. They were with the childminder. Phone went. They had to be very quiet. Now, nowadays, it's very okay to have children running in the background. And, but at the time, it was like, wow, children, stop, be quiet. And we could see our children kind of getting really stressed out about it, you know. And uh, yeah. so the biggest challenge was like putting everything together. And like, yeah, delivering a good service is not easy and just, mm, you know, making everything happen. Yes. But one thing, yeah, one thing we did, we said, you know, everything else can come second, but we must focus on the service. So whatever the cost was, we, we delivered the service, you know. So everything else came a little, I mean, initially they loved that we were having takeaways every night. And, <laughs> and after like the second week, my son, at the time, he was 10, maybe 10, 11. And he was saying that, you know what? I don't really want another pizza. <laughs> Initially, they loved they it. They wanted home-cooked food. <laughs> <laughs> so the, that was the cost. But after a few months, we moved into an office and then, you know, started putting things together. And But the, the biggest challenge was the not having a, a, a business plan and, and you know, a, a clear path to what we're going to do in the next six months, let alone the next year, you know. Sure. Were you yourself actually translating? I mean, was it um, Turkish to English or English to Turkish or well, how we, did it work? We did, translation is a very, very sort of skill that, that you know, the native speakers don't normally have. So I knew that I could translate, but I could do much better job if I focused on 
quality assurance with my wife. So mm-hmm. we had really good team of translators. So mm-hmm. we were focusing on the final checks to make sure that the tone of voice was right. It 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 registered correctly with the target audience, and so it was like um, making sure that the translations that we had, which we knew were good, but making sure that they were fit for purpose, because the at the time the project was involved the, um, translating uh, manuals for like military, and um, oh, I see. and and it had to be understood by by most people with not so much high education. So making it fit for purpose was really critical. So we we really focused on the delivery, making sure that we 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 answered the telephones, you know, replied to the customers. And you know, so it was it was a good setup in that respect for for delivery. But everything else was was really chaotic. <laughs> so you'd bought a business and I gather that you also bought another business as part of your growth strategy. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well it kind of came I mean we we made an acquisition. It was a, it was a kind of accidental acquisition because it was our friend she actually sold her business to somebody. Well, it was transferred, more like transferred. And she started doing a master's degree at a university. So everything was in place for her. And then at the last minute, it fell through. The, the transfer fell through, not, not, her, mm-hmm. not her education. And also she paid the fees and everything. So she was really in a tight spot. So we stepped in. We, I mean, there was an opportunity as well as trying to help somebody uh, but mm. also there was a correlation because she had the same business as us, same type of customers. So there was a good synergy. It wasn't total acquisition. It was but kind of semi-acquisition, but which helped her a lot and helped us. Mm-hmm. But we did the real acquisition in 2016. Right. And uh, we didn't realize how much we learned from the first acquisition. So we made sure that there was a good synergy. The customer base was complementing our customer base. And also, the company did a lot of translations for manufacturing industry, which really correlated with us because we had, we have customers from from manufacturers, because you know, like any industry, as you would know, has got its own interesting points that you really need to be familiar with. And mm-hmm. 2016, we made that acquisition, and that really worked really well. But it was a, you know, win-win. It was a good deal for the people who who sold it because, you know, it was their baby, really, because they started it and they ran it for like 15, 20 years. No, no, apologies. It was almost 34 years. Yeah. Why did they sell it? They were retiring. Oh, I see. Yeah, that often happens. People want to retire, yeah. They They were retiring. They had other plans. Their children grew up, left home. So, you know, they came to a stage that, well, actually, we want to do something else that is, you know, that's more fun and more interesting. And the process took about two years. Um, Mm -hmm. The first year, they were more active. Second year, more like in a consultative uh, role. But Mm -hmm. it meant that, obviously, we had to have a good understanding and good support. So whenever we needed their help, they were there. It worked because, really, they, they really tried very hard as well. You know, having the right synergy and the right core values made all the difference. Right. Mm. So how, 
I gather you went through a rebranding exercise in 2013. Yes. How did that relate to your growth plans and how did you actually take in this new business that you'd acquired right, into exactly. that? Well, there was, there was an interesting journey, actually, Shireen. You will, mm. you will remember because you helped us a lot at that time. Um, you actually um, helped us shape up the name of the ah. because I was very keen. I love the name. I mean, we are called TTC. We translate. I love the name. We translate, and I was so keen on it. And both the domain names and all no, denominations that you can think of. Dot com. Dot co. Dot uk. Dot net. You name it. We we, we mm. purchase it. And actually, you tried very hard. It took you like few emails and few conversations to to tell me that look, Levan. This is very generic. You can't trademark this. You know, it won't work. I didn't quite get it. You know, why wouldn't it not work? You know, it's a lovely name. People will, will know this and will understand this. Then realize that actually, yes, you had a very good point. So we ended up with TTC We Translate, mm -hmm. which we um, trademarked it. Actually, your company uh, facilitated yeah. that for us. I think it gave us a, a, a very clean, uncomplicated brand that has appealed to, to other people, you know, to, to outsiders. And um, when we went through the acquisition in 2016, there were four other companies, you know, that were, that wanted the same business. Uh -huh. And um, the owners chose us. I think having that, that image you know, the logo, the, it helped us to, to win, win their hearts. You know, having that brand, nice, clean image, it helped us a lot. Right. Have you kept the name, their name, or have you subsumed that ah, business? Into... Very, very good question. Well, we, for, for about three years, we run their website. We, we kept the name. During that time, we integrated all, all customers to the main brand. Now, we still... On our letters, we have TTCV Translate incorporating mm -hmm. Bedford Translations because right. they were called Bedford Translations. So, you know, the reference to the name, but everything else is under the umbrella of TTCV Translate. Right. It was more practical. Initially, you know, the, the SEO purposes and, and reaching wider audience because they were well known in Bedfordshire. Um, so we, we kept it. The, the website going, but after a couple of years, it started becoming a, a kind of a chore because updating one website is hard enough. With two, that was really getting getting harder. So, uh, shut down the website. We are redirecting it to the main website. Sure, you know. Yeah. But we still have a reference to the name. So, do you attribute your success to your rebrand? It has played. A very important part. We wanted to to appeal. We wanted to look different. I think the rebrand came as part of that. And mm -hmm. once we did the rebrand and put everything in place, it kind of fueled our growth. Um, by the way, also Bedford Translations. We also trademarked it as well. Uh, so right, yeah, that's we, a good idea. Know, yeah, <laughs> even though even though we we don't actively use it, but this is trademarked. 
I took your advice. I tried to understand it fully and, and put it into practice. So it's trademarked as well, so that, you know, in the future, no one can claim the name, uh, you know. So I thought, would you say that that was a good idea? Well, basically, after five years of non-use, people can challenge the trademark and cancel it. But as an interim measure, while the name still had some meaning, it's certainly good. And redirecting all the website to you, you know, means that you got a lot of the value from the name. Yes. So probably it's not worth keeping it up after, not renew. I see. Because you're not using the name. No. But you still have some rights based on the fact that in the past, this company has been trading in translation. So somebody could use the name for a different sort of service, but you could have some sort of arguments against them using it for translation services, possibly. I see, I see, I see. Oh, thanks for letting me know. That's, that's, Mm. That's good to know, really. So what... Advice, um, what sort of difficulties did you have with repositioning your brand? What makes TTC WeTranslate different from other translation service providers? Did you look into that as part of your rebranding? Looking back to um, seven years ago, now I realized that we could have done it quite differently. So if I was to ever rebrand, which you know could happen in the next year or two, um, you know, but obviously there needs to be a purpose behind it. So we wouldn't rebrand just for the sake of it. But sure. I can feel that we can do it a lot better and differently. But it was a kind of an ongoing process. I think Well you don't necessarily have to differ, but no, no, how no. You... we do. I believe I strongly believe we do differ. And mm. and I think the rebranding was really part of that, you know, because we want today an, an image that is that reflects what we believe in and our core values. So mm-hmm. it was really an important start. Uh, start. So the, the main difference, because there are lots of very good companies out there, but what makes us different is our core values. I wanted the brand to reflect that. So I didn't want a brand that didn't seem to be aligned with the core values. So I wanted this to kind of in working together. So it was, I believe it is our core values that makes us different from other companies. Not just, you know, uh, translation companies, but, you know, most, most companies that this out there. So what how did you work out your core values and mission? I mean, what are they briefly and do your clients care about them, do you think? I believe they do. We mm-hmm. talk a lot about our core values. When it comes to finding customers or when there's a potential customer approaches us and or when we are getting a new employee joining our team or if there's an issue about something, we find that we go back to our core values and it, it is finding us the answers that we are looking for because um, potential customer, are we, you know, can my company cater for every customer or every possible company? Not really. And we don't want to do that. We want to work with companies with whom we have the similar synergy and same or similar core values. So we say, for instance, we care for for the environment. We care, you know, we have social responsibilities. And 
a company or business that have no respect for the environment or have no care about social responsibility, I don't think we could possibly work with them. Even if I, as a business owner, even if I found it attractive and started it, I knew it would create a tension with my team in months to come. During, even though most communication is nowadays by email, if there's a misalignment on the core values, I think it reflects on on the way they, you know, people speak to each other, they communicate with each other, or look at things, opportunities, or problems totally differently. So we say we have social responsibilities. We say we put our people first. We invest in our people. We put customers first. All these affect the way we do business. And I believe we attract customers similar to those core values. I'm pleased to say all our, all our customers, that we love working with them, and it affects the end result, the products that we deliver. I mean, it's, it's a service, but at the end of the day, our customers use these translations to make you know contact with future potential customers, as well as serve their existing customers with user manuals, with with marketing messages, with with information on their websites. So so it actually works for them so much better because we have this alignment in our core values. How do they find out what your core values are? Are they on your website or how how in the whole buying process that, is the customer made aware? It's a, it's, it's a very good question and I'm, I'm, it's, it's making me think about it. I think uh-huh. the first answer would be is that's definitely on our website mm-hmm. and it's also on our marketing brochures. So we say these are our core values. Also, the our external partners, you know, our translators, reviewers, um, uh, engineers, you know, we also advocate the same core values with them so that, you know, it is in our most of our marketing brochures, websites, and even on our certain signatures, like, you know, we we are, we are here for you. Like dur- during COVID-19, we put out a message to our customers. You know, what can we do for you differently? Because your problems that you had or, or challenges you had two months ago could be quite different now. So what else can we do? What is it that you would like us to do. They get it and they like it. Right. So what's your vision for the future, Levant? Do you envisage an exit ultimately? It's a hard, it's a hard question for me because um, I really enjoy what I do. And um, I'm pleased to say that I'm kind of um, changing, changing my role in the company. So it's more... I know it's a cliche, you know, working on the business, but it, like most cliches, it is so true. So yeah, it's essential. It's you need essential. to run the business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I've, I've been working on the business, and so, and it is more to do with strategy, and and you know, creating products, adjusting products, also looking at the company culture, but company culture not just within our team but also with our with our external partners 
and we don't call them suppliers or providers. Okay, we have contrast that may say supplier, but we never refer to them as supplier or provider. There are partners because as far as our customers are concerned, we are all part of the same team. Mm. You know, and and so so it is it is kind of um, embraced by by our team, and and I'm really proud that I kind of facilitated that. I kind of yeah. I was I was reading about Airbnb. I mean, they're currently suffering a lot, but they've got a similar issue because the hosts who actually take in their customers have nothing to do with them. They're yeah. not even, you know, and yet they are very much part of the brand. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so what is a brand you particularly admire and why is that? <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, I like some brands for different reasons. I like Amazon because of, of their customer service. Even though you don't speak with anyone in Amazon, um, but the customer service is, 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 is really interesting. And also their vision, you know, nobody is pressurizing them for two-hour delivery. But now they are working on this, you know, deliveries by drones. I don't know, it may have, you know, the, this current crisis may have impacted their, uh, their testing and stuff, but they are pushing boundaries all the time. That's what yeah, I'm... I think in the process, they're actually making life difficult for everyone else because <laughs> people's expectations are that, well, if if I can get it in two hours, why can't? <laughs> yeah. why are you going to take a week? To yes, yes. But what's yeah. interesting is nobody's pushing them, but they're, they're yeah. kind of doing this themselves. And I like that part of Amazon because I'm finding myself in, in, in similar uh, circumstances that, for instance, yesterday um, I was talking with a customer about their website, you know, website translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're building a new website. It's a well-established company. And mm-hmm. in their website, they have this video. Very nicely done, perfect sound, ec- excellent. And it suits very well for the British audience, UK audience, or let's say Anglo-Saxon audience. The, the video is making fun of their company, fun of their um, the uh, the managing director. You know, it it is fine. It is when I watched it, I said that's very good. But when they were talking about putting this out in to other audiences in Europe, in Far East Asia, I I then I looked at the video from that point of view, and. I had to sort of struggle with myself. Look, I really have to tell him about this because this video will not go well in, for instance, in Germany, where the business is conducted a lot more seriously and with culture. Culture is, there's no right culture or wrong culture. But if a company is trying to attract potential customers in Germany, they have to respect and understand the cultural issues. And I said, look... That's brilliant, Levin. So do you provide a service to advise companies on cultural differences or would they need to have translation services for you to be able to help them? That's, that's, that's where the line gets a bit blurred, Shireen, 
you know, mm. people see translations as as a commodity. They say, mm. you know, translate A to B. How much? When? When can you deliver? And then they believe that's the end of the story. That's perfectly fine. I, you know, I'm not offended or anything like that. But there's so much more behind it. So we ask questions. You know, what is the purpose of the translation? If the purpose is For instance, this company, I know the purpose because the client shared it with me in great detail. So I knew that that video was intended for German audience, but it's a corporate audience. You know, mm. they're attracting high-end, uh, I, I can't tell too much about the details, sure, yeah. but basically they're a, a, a multi-million company and they want to attract medium to large organizations that have a communication requirement. So so we're talking about corporate structure, we're talking about managing directors and possibly uh, marketing directors. And, you know, so that's, we're talking about a lot of structure. And with that audience, that video wouldn't work. It would actually would do the opposite. They will say, nah, this company can't be serious. You know, if they are taking Mickey out of their, Mickey, Mickey out of themselves, no, maybe they can't be that, that serious, which wouldn't be far from the truth. The trouble is, to make a good impression, we don't have that long. You know, sometimes it could be that yeah, people sure. make decisions within like, you know, what, 10, 15 seconds. And I really didn't want, um, didn't want that to happen. But going back to your first question, you know, about uh, us providing cultural services, mm. is that... Yes, we do, but sometimes customers don't ask for it. But even then, I still feel obliged to inform them. So that's that's my difficulty sometimes. And if sometimes I, you know, I understand you entirely. <laughs> That happens to me with naming. Yeah, when yeah. clients want help to to sort of review a few names, and I think these names are really awful. You know, so how I can't be, help but tell, tell them if they can change it. You know, then they should. Because <laughs> so, yeah, it goes beyond what they want because they just want me to do a search. But actually, I just look at the name and I think that's not that's not a good name. But how do you so, how do you how do you tell them? Actually, I I just tell them. I say, of course, I can do these searches, but this isn't a very good name, and I explain why. And usually they take it well. Yeah. You know, if, if if they're coming to me for that service, in other words, they haven't already finalized the name, then I feel I'm doing a favor, yes. if you yes. like, if they don't want to take it. But most take it very well. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I remember our communications. And I, I, initially I thought, well, why doesn't Shireen like this name? He said, it's a lovely name. But obviously, you know, you've been very patient. You explained It took you, you know, few emails. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> and I'm grateful that you did because um, yeah. now it makes sense because now we are TTCV translate. Nobody can imitate this, and we sure. have trademark it. We've got, you know, so it is yeah. easier, much easier to re remember. But yeah. so Levant, I need to wrap up because I've got another sure. um, call to go. But where can people find you if listeners want to find you? Where's The best place. Well, the, they can find us on Google. Just search for TTC Retranslate because of uh -huh. our unique name. They can find it much easier, or they can search for Levant 
Yıldız gören and thanks to my That's not so easy. <laughs> That's not an easy one. That's not an easy one. Yeah. But it is um, normally uh, websites and I mean we feel passionate about talking to customers who have mm-hmm. ambitions to grow globally. And sometimes you know they decide not to go and but we still enjoy and you know talking and advising them and when we see that they they get results that's even you know uh, that's the kind of icing on the cake great so thank you very much indeed levant My for pleasure. coming on to this podcast my pleasure the final session of my series of webinars on branding driving the brand strategy is happening on the 2nd of september if you've been reinventing your business and are focusing on design and promotion you'll want to attend this it's the final opportunity to sign up and get access to the previous sessions of my series of webinars too they covered ip identifying your market and brand naming just go to brandtuned.com and find your way to the sign up page from the home page i would love to know who is listening to this podcast so send me a message on linkedin and let me know if you're a listener from the podcast i'd love to connect in the next episode of the podcast i'll be discussing what a brand is and how branding differs from marketing these terms have come into widespread use relatively recently and people bandy them around to mean almost anything they like so it pays to consider the meaning of these terms and why that matters